Hello, and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. I'm Craig Valenzuela, Managing Director for Global Business Development, and each week we invite our listeners to take 10 and get the latest economic insights from our in-house economics team. And good morning to our Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter. Matthew, how are you? Uh, good, thanks, Craig. Uh, you're gearing up to your first stage in freedom on Monday. Yes, we're at 70% at the moment, Matthew. We think the all-important number is 80% so we can go into the office without a mask on. Anyway, there's some big news this week, Matthew, apart from New South Wales freeing up its economy, and that's the energy crisis that's starting to build in Europe and the UK. It's making a lot of headlines. So can you take us through what are the driving factors here? Well, you did right there, Craig. I mean, power costs in Europe have surged over 150% this year. And well, the main driver of this is the hike in gas prices, which have risen by a staggering 400% this year. Now, the main driver of that rise in gas prices has been the fallen gas inventories, and they've actually fallen to their lowest levels this year, as Norway in particular undertook uh, maintenance work on its gas fields and its processing stations, but also as Russia rebuilt their own inventories. Now, this uh, fall in supply has occurred, unfortunately for Europe, at the same time as the demand for energy has been boosted as the European economy reopens, as the continent emerges from the COVID pandemic. And they enter into their winter period, Matthew. It reminds me back in 2016 in good old sunny Adelaide, the story there where Elon Musk and Mike Cannon-Brooks weighed in on their intermittency issues impacting electricity supply, Matthew. With gas accounting for around 20% of the EU's energy requirements, whilst around 38% comes from renewables, are those same intermittency problems now going to impact Europe? Oh, you're dead right, Craig. So another issue with the EU's uh, problem with energy at the moment is with EU's electricity generation, which has been hit, as you say, by intermittency problems. In the uh, case of the EU, that's due to slow wind speeds in the North Sea, which have been the slowest wind speeds in 20 years. And that's leaving idle a large share of Europe's wind turbines. You're listening to Craig Valenzuela and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where our chief economist, Dr. Matthew Peter, is taking us through the current economic analysis that's shaping your investment outlook. So, Matthew, earlier you mentioned the supply issues from Norway. Russia, of course, is also a key supplier of gas. President Putin went so far as to offer help overnight to ease those supply constraints. So whilst there's clearly a proximity between Europe and Russia, why isn't this an existing solution already for Europe? Of course, we're always nervous or suspicious, I should say, when President Putin is offering uh, assistance and aid to Europe. But look, key here is the gas pipelines from Russia to Europe. Now, the main pipeline at the moment is through Russia's adversary, Ukraine. Now, Russia has built an alternative pipeline under the Bering Sea to Germany. It's called Nord Stream 2, and they're keen to open it so they can bypass Ukraine, obviously. Now, Putin has argued that Europe's gas supply problem, the current one, that is, could be resolved if Europe fast-tracked the permitting process that would allow Nord Stream to to be open. It's it's actually built, Craig. It's just waiting for the permitting process. But EU regulators would have to fast track various elements of certification, including safety elements, that would create not only tensions within the EU, but also tensions with its allies, including the US, if they were to all of a sudden fast track a deal with uh, Russia. 
So it does sound like the Russian president, Putin, is using this as an opportunity, as a political tool, so to be it. In the current global environment of heightened political tensions that you alluded to, Matthew, energy security is now sounding like the weapon of choice. It's a given, Matthew, that a single LNG ship can carry $200 million worth of LNG. What about alternative sources of gas other than Russia that are open to Europe? Well, yeah, there are other sources, Craig, and Asia is the largest supplier of gas, but it would be extremely costly to ship LNG from Asia to Europe. In addition, China authorities have ordered companies, their own companies and their own energy producers, as you might recall, to secure energy supply at all costs. Now, what that resulted in is the demand for coal and LNG has surged in China, delivering massive price hikes for those two commodities. Hence, we have a a spike in energy costs globally. And wasn't there a a ban on coal from Australia, Matthew? Uh, Yeah, they've they've, um, had a ban on coal. And in fact, they haven't been sourcing coal necessarily from us. We have been able to transition our supply of coal away from China towards India, have been soaking up a lot of our coal, but we've also been benefiting from these extremely high prices nonetheless. You're listening to Craig Balanswaler and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where our Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter, is taking us through the current economic analysis that's shaping your investment outlook. This must be creating global inflationary pressures, Matthew, arising from that surge in demand you mentioned from economies reopening in the winter period coming through, but also those supply bottlenecks. So what's the impact of this crisis on inflation? Well, it's, it's pushing up inflation in the short term, no doubt. I just looking at the consensus forecast for European inflation in the third quarter, and they're pushing up towards 4% at the moment. And that's an extraordinarily high number for uh, Europe. But at best case scenario is this is just a temporary shock. Inflation hopefully will go down once Norway is back in business and the wind out in the North Sea starts blowing again. And that's certainly the view of most economists. But it does show that these situations, these these spikes and sharp spikes, Craig, uh, in the inflationary uh, process can happen and they possibly can happen again. It also provides an insight into the limitations of how quickly we can move to renewables as our predominant source of energy generation. If countries are still reliant on gas and coal, during their transition phase to renewable energy, then countries can be held hostage to high prices of fossil fuels still, and that creates an additional geopolitical risk. Now, reduced fossil fuel production can mean that it can be weaponized by producers such as Russia, but also by users through their demand for such fossil fuels like China. Yeah, interesting. So, Matthew, how can Europe and the rest of the world start to protect themselves against similar situations happening again? Well, the European situation has brought into sharp relief the technological limitation of shifting rapidly to energy. And that technological limitation at the moment is one of storage. Now, the key takeaway... Renewable energy, that's right. The key takeaway from the current situation in Europe is that it should push governments to place pressure on businesses, on technology firms to to speed up the development of technology for large storage capacity from renewable energy sources. The incentive for governments to promote the technology is in fact no longer just environmental risks, Craig, but also those risks associated with inflation spikes and geopolitical risks. So with the developments you highlighted in Europe, but also in China, is Australia a beneficiary of these developments? 
Well, our energy supply prices domestically aren't currently being affected as they are in Europe and uh, to a lesser extent in US for that matter. And that's due to our own secure gas supply. We're also enjoying higher prices for LNG and coal on export markets, which is more than offsetting uh, lower iron ore prices. For example, we've just posted a record monthly trade surplus, Craig, of $15.1 billion in August. But we shouldn't get carried away with these short-term windfall gains. China is stockpiling reserves, and down the track, we can expect demand to slow as China draws down on these stockpiles. We should also question how long we can rely on fossil fuel exports, especially if the current experience fast tracks the ability of the global economy to transition to renewables. So Matthew, then let's take it from an investor's point of view. What are some of the allocation considerations that investors should take out of these short-term effects you just described with regards to us getting some really good windfalls from our existing energy sources and then the future where technology might take renewables. How should investors bring this all together from an asset allocation point of view? Well, for me, the big takeaway, particularly for longer term investors, is that the recent volatility in energy prices will lead to even greater urgency among developed economies in particular to transition successfully to renewable energy sources away from fossil fuels. Now, not only is that requirement necessary, that transition to renewables necessary for their environmental targets, but is now also important for near-term economic stability, if they're going to avoid, for example, inflation spikes, but also to mitigate geopolitical risks and avoid being hostage to producers of fossil fuels and large consumers of fossil fuels. In other words, secure their own energy supply. That urgency will show up in more intense demand for storage technology. Now, the good news for Australia on that front is that we have solar and wind resources in abundance. We've also got a very highly developed workforce, really strong scientific capability and technological capability. We're an ideal location to be able to develop clean energy technologies and our own domestic investors, I would have thought, were in a key position to take advantage of what will be an intensifying trend. Thanks, Matthew, for bringing those insights into the current energy-driven spikes in both coal and LNG. And now energy is both a geopolitical risk factor as well as an inflation and political tool for both producers as well as users. And whilst our gross national product has benefited in Australia from these recent commodity price spikes, investors can actually look ahead to the ongoing intensifying need and demand for energy storage technology to complement our green energy production for a reliable ongoing green resource. I'm Craig Valenzuela for QIC's QPod. Thank you for listening and have a super weekend.